Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. And what a Saturday. Ari Wasserman. We just watched TCU come back and beat K-State. We just watched Alabama house Mississippi State. We just watched Texas A&M lose to South Carolina. And I realize there are games that have a lot more import to the national title picture and the playoff picture and all that jazz. But Ari... Those are all Tech, those are all basically night games that you mentioned. You even like mentioned the first half of the day. That's Clemson how crazy survives. the night was. LSU beats <laughs> Ole Miss. Oregon rolls UCLA. All of the all of these things happened. Ohio State crushed Iowa. Hit hit the hit the number by themselves. This A and M South Carolina thing is crazy. Like that's the story of the Saturday, right? Like I was trying to think, like what's the most important takeaway from what we saw on Saturday? Is that it? Texas A&M lost to South Carolina. They are now three and four. They're playing Ole Miss next week. Like seven and five is feels kind of far away at this point. Like six and six, five and seven feel much more on the table now. Ari, it's year five. They will not fire Jimbo Fisher. Some some rando on Twitter. Well, he's not rando. He's got like twenty three thousand followers and a blue check but said that I reported that Texas A&M was going to buy out Jimbo Fisher. I reported no such thing. No one is writing that check. Ari. The blue check is writing the check. That blue check is writing a check that his butt can't cash. But Ari, $85,950,000. That is what Texas A&M would owe Jimbo Fisher to fire him after this season. I'm going to say it out loud again. $85,950,000. Yeah, I was just went on a rant um, a few days ago about how dumb it is to give out $100 million guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Is it dumber to pay $85 million to move on from a coach? Yes. I feel like any any program in the country, if anybody could afford it, it might be A&M. But like that is the dumbest thing. I don't even They're think it's a possible. They're not going to do it. Po- I, I, I'm telling you right now, they're not no, I going know. to do I'm it. Just, it's they the have- dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. So, yep. you know, especially considering the fact, and my stance has always been this with A&M, is if you fire your coach right now, let's just say you're you're dumb enough to come up with that money. You're throwing everything that they did last year's recruiting cycle in the trash. You know, at that point, you're blowing up your Ari, program. you might be throwing that in the trash anyway. <clears throat> They might be leaving anyway. It, it, that could they didn't absolutely sign up for happen. This. Yeah, no, this that could absolutely happen. And losing to South Carolina, even though they seem to be improved, you know, quite a bit from what they've been the last few years, is kind of like one of those losses where it's like, don't talk about the record, don't talk about what they could be at the end of the year or or whatever. It's the type of loss that it's just like we're really here. We're 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 in yeah. losing to South Carolina territory. Like, Bottom that's where line, we're at. you're supposed to be better than them. Yeah, this even in Florida, the down year, you're supposed to be better than yeah. them. This is what Florida, this is the realization they came to after they lost to South Carolina last year. That was when the decision was made to fire Dan Mullen. They didn't actually fire him for two weeks later, but the decision was made. They're stuck. They're stuck. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, is that you got to hope that Jimbo Fisher can do what he can to keep those those prospects in the program and keep doing what he's doing in the recruiting trail to get people to believe. Um, that might be Why a much harder. Why would you sign song. with him? Watching this, well, I mean, people could say that last year too, right? But you know, it, 
if the same stuff keeps happening over and over, why would you, why would you do it? Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, and if they have a bad class this year, then that flash in the pan is going to be that just that a flash in the pan. So, you know, I, I watching that game, I watched it from start to finish. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. And their offense is so horrid, mm-hmm. horrid. Well, I, I love when Connor Wegman comes in after Haynes King gets hurt and he's moving people around and doing all this stuff. And you hear Jordan Rogers on the broadcast say, they're not babying Connor Wegman. Well, maybe they should be babying him. Yeah, yeah. Make it easier for your quarterback. That is why you're getting paid all that money. You know, I actually thought that he his ball looked pretty good. You know, the fact of the matter is, is he was – you know, catching snaps and there were nine people in his face, you know, right off the bat, you know, and it's like, you're not supposed to be in a position. It's the same thing that we said about well, Texas. Also, you They're had not... an open date to figure out the snapping situation because they lost their center at the end of the Alabama game. Remember? Right. Right. You know, and you they had, had a, an open date to figure it and... out. You knew you'd be in a loud environment and yet you couldn't figure that out. And you had See, a the, bunch of false starts. Look, like look, the hardest part about this podcast, Andy is, is that, and when it comes to talking about this is that they have no options here. Like the only thing that an A&M fan can do is, is hope for two things. One that Jimbo Fisher somehow salvages the, the talent train coming in and staying on the, on the team. Right. And then two, he's forced or is put in a position or has a uh, epiphany that he needs to hire an offensive coordinator and a play caller. Um, but all the other things that you that you can hope for as a fan in other normal scenarios where there is an 85 mil just hanging out there over his head um, aren't in play here. So it's, it's unacceptable in year five. There's no question that this is this is far off from what they should be, even in a down year. Um, you know what Connor Wegman did or didn't do in this game, like all this stuff in general is all true, but they're stuck. It's what we talked about when we were in College Station together three weeks ago, and it's getting worse now. And, you know, I don't know if you're losing to South Carolina on the road and the only time you can score a touchdown is, um, you know, when they turn the ball over inside their own 30. But, like, I don't look at the schedule and think that any anything's a guaranteed win at this no, point. Nothing is a given. Nothing is – I think they have – well, they they might have another FCS game. coming, <laughs> But, like, Auburn, Texas A&M? I don't know. Now, I do think they will finally score more than 24 points against an FBS team when they face my alma mater in a couple weeks. But I don't know if that's a given. But I don't know that they'll win the game. I just think they might score more than 24. Yeah, so, I don't know. That sounds like another bet where you've got to go eat $40 at Taco Bell breakfast. But um, uh, that, don't, don't, don't threaten me with a good time, Ari. Andy, uh, I, let, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't have any confidence whatsoever in, in their ability well, to move the football. Let's talk about your column from, from September 25th when, when oh, you boy. were in Jerry World. Oh, God. And you, you said Texas A&M didn't, didn't save its season. It may have saved its future. This is mm-hmm. after the Arkansas game. I think maybe they just got lucky on that one play when mm-hmm. KJ Jefferson reached the ball over the three yard line, but it's amazing how much has changed in, in the way we view things since that time. Was that a month ago? Um, you know, and you know, the thought process there for A&M was, you know, they're not going to win the sec this year. They've certainly got deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball. The fact that they're playing in a, in a big time game, uh, or at least a, you know, neutral field game in a stadium like that, that's nationally televised and everybody's watching like the salvage. Every game they play is nationally televised. It's 2022. 
you know what I mean. It's it was the game <laughs> of the week. People were watching it that wouldn't otherwise be watching it. Um, it just seemed like they has they had a chance to eke their way out in games down the line. It's like I thought that that win was a symptom of they're definitely going to beat South Carolina, you know. And in the moment, it's like, well, this has been a tough go of it. The App State loss really stinks, but if they can hang tough in the SEC and get to eight or nine wins this year, salvage the dream, salvage the vision. Um, they might be able to keep these guys on the roster and sign another really good class and then come into next year really, really good. And now all those things um, that I wrote about in that column a month ago have certainly changed, and I certainly wish I had the foresight to know that they were going to lose this game. Could have made a lot of money. Well, this, uh, this they is probably but, the flip side of that game because it, it started with a 100-yard kickoff return a near pick six. Like that's why South Carolina won the game. They, they did that. And the then first hung on. They five had a, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. They had a couple of nice drives, like two, exactly two nice drives. And that's why they won the game. So it, it is sort of the, the, the funhouse mirror version of, of the Arkansas game. So they were going to lose one of those two. And they, that's, that's the one they won. And this is the one they lost. But yeah, I, I have zero confidence Going forward, they uh, UMass is the other team they play. I did say I said FCS is not. It is an FBS team. It is the Minutemen. So they got them down the road. Well, is there going to be their team total uh, point total on that one? Like thirty six and a half. It's not going to be high. It's not <laughs> going to be high. It, it, but I mean, they they have to play Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, and LSU. Still. Well, let me let me hit you with an over under here of my own. Okay. So I think they signed 26 guys in their last year's class. Mm-hmm. I, I don't remember the number right off the top of my head. Um, I can find it real quick. But let's just say 26 while I'm looking. What is the over-under of transfer portal uh, entries that a and can survive from their roster out? From their roster or from the 2022 class? The 2022 class that's on their roster right now. Okay. How many of those players who are on the roster can leave, but then weather the storm? Like when do you when do you oh, start you to lose, push the danger like button? 10. I, I don't know if you know, but there's a there's a top five team that lost like half its team to the portal in January 2021. No, I'm saying, but for for Texas A and M to continue to hold on to 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 salvage something out of that, you you think that they could lose more than ten and still be okay? Yeah. I do. I watched Tennessee lose like 20 and they're okay. More than okay. I mean, if they lose, if they lose, it's almost as if having a coach who runs an offense that's easy for the quarterback and the receivers to run that makes life easy for them instead of make it challenging for them is a better idea than trying to have all of your quarterbacks learn an incredibly difficult playbook and you're going to call whatever play is the perfect play in that playbook, whether that quarterback is good at running it or not. I'm an idiot. They signed 30 uh, last year. Um, if they lost more than 10 of the players who were in that class last year, I think that's when the uh, the meltdown truly, truly begins. Listen, if this isn't it. Um, they lost Kyler Murray, Murray and Kyle Allen in the same week. At one point during the Kevin Sumlin era, it's it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it seems like that's what you know when when A and M signed their class, everybody was like, "Well, good for them. It'll be cool to see when they all transfer in a year." 
And it's like the entire worth of that program's direction right now is tied up in those with those kids that were in that class. And if it falls apart and they lose it, like I know that Tennessee, you know, salvaged a season and, you know, and became one of the best teams in college yeah, football. I know. Yeah. But if, if A&M, if you take that away from the A&M, they've got freaking nothing. So I don't care what the hell Tennessee just did. They still have this good is everything players. to them. Like this is everything have, to them. If you take those, if you take the top part of the top half of that class away, you take that off the roster. You take ten top one hundred players off the roster. They still have a more talented team than the one they lost to tonight. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No. No. No question. I so just they mean don't for have like the nothing. vision of Shane Beamer no, doesn't mean, have nothing. Shane Beamer has five wins this season. The entire existence of an A and M fan is clinging to the future that that class promises. You rip that class away from them and stack that on this year, you are at square one. When you thought you were at square, I don't know how to nine. break this to, to you. They're at square one anyway. Yeah, well, they, they, I, they I don't are. know if I hundred percent agree with that. If you build on the on the players that are infinitely better than a lot of the players that are going into a lot of you know because they're freshmen right now. But if you lose your freshman and you can't build off of what you signed, then Ari, there's this thing called the transfer portal. The 25 yeah, new player a year rule is gone. So you can lose all of your players and I can't replace you them think all that if losing you want to. 10 top 100 players would be no big deal. Like that wouldn't like that wouldn't just be um, that would you, just be fine. If you're 5 and 7, it doesn't matter. I know, but they're 5 and 7 now. Anyway. They're trying to be better in the future with those players. Ari you think it has to be them. It doesn't have to be them. It can be anybody. But that's what I'm saying, but now. the Jimbo Fisher value right now of what he's building and bringing is tied up to that class. Not really. Could do it with a different class. Doesn't matter. But if he keeps doing this, they're going to leave and other good players are not going to come. Which is exactly what I'm just trying to say. Vote of no confidence. So, yes, we're we're getting to the same place in different ways. We've probably piled on Texas A&M enough, but it's just amazing to me because there's nothing minutes. you can do. There's no leverage. You 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 have yeah. no leverage. Like there is no person on campus at Texas A&M that could walk into Jimbo Fisher's office and say, "We would like it if you would try this or try this or try this." It well, does let me not ask matter. you this: I saw somebody tweet this. If he had a reasonable buyout or no buyout, is he gone? Yes. It's year five. Like yeah. If you went five and seven this season, six and six this season with a yeah. reasonable buyout, he'd be gone. Now, I don't. Here's the thing: even if he hadn't gotten the extension, that buyout would still be in the neighborhood of like thirty-six million dollars. They wouldn't have. I don't think they would have paid that. Yeah. But if it was like Gus Malzahn level, do you know what the record for buyout paid is? Off the top of your head? Gus Malzahn, 21. 21? 21, that's the record? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're talking about over four times as much so. of the record. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Because, like, I think that, like, in a nut, like, so, listen, where are, it's 11 p.m. on Saturday night. A&M just lost to South Carolina, like, 45 minutes ago. So this is all very fresh, and this is a very deep and in, in, uh, exposed wound right now. But I think that in if you let me sleep on it, and we can come back on Tuesday's show, mm-hmm. I could make a case that in a Bizarro Land world... Oh, um, you're you're going to do the math in a minute? <laughs> no, no, no. Bizarro Land world that it would be dumb to fire Jimbo Fisher right now, regardless of his buyout. 
I don't know mm. if I'm ready to do that right now, but just give me a few days after you just got spunky with me and I don't know if I can handle that again. Um, but sorry, I had to, I had to, to talk some sense into you. The rules have changed. Like you may lose an entire roster. That doesn't mean you're done. You can, you can win with a new roster. I think that if those players were to leave, that would be a one-way thing. I think that that would be an implication that the new ones aren't coming to. So it's like that to me is like the whole thing. It's like if you lose what you what you built in your recruiting class last year, then, then it cripples your ability to do it again in 2022. Those players are leaving because they don't have faith in you and your program and your coaching staff to to use them to the height of yeah. their talents. And, 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 I'm not and see, necessarily that's the, sure that's the greatest sales pitch for incoming transfers either right. in a world and, where and you can build that's the portal. the problem. You can do it with a whole new roster. But the way the only way you really get the whole new roster is you make a change and you can't make a change because you yeah. can't nobody's writing that check. I don't know how to tell everybody that nobody's writing that check. It'd be basically like giving Mel Tucker his entire contract to leave. It'd be the same thing because it is the same contract. Yeah. Jimmy Sexton is a just an amazing amazing professional and the, like, the commentator the man think, does his job better than any of us do our job in the game jordan rogers uh said or uh, one of the commentators asked him why do you think jimbo is just such a cool calm collected customer and jordan's like did you see the buyout bro <laughs> i was like what does he have to be afraid of yep exactly 100 percent. we've all right we've piled on texas a&m enough Let's that move on bad, to Texas dude. now. No, I'm that, kidding. We're going to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to talk about Oklahoma State and Texas because we need to. Because that was a hell of a win for Oklahoma State. Basically, duct taped together a team, came back from a double digit deficit, and beat Texas. But we got to talk about some of the games a little closer to the top of the rankings first, and then we'll, we will get to that. Shall we start in Clemson, Ari? Sure. Let's Where Syracuse had Clemson on the ropes. We were pretty close to having a live uh, stream oh, at yeah. like 1 we, o'clock today, Andy. We we definitely were. And DJ Uyengali gets pulled. Cade Klubnik gets gets inserted. What happened next, I think, Ari, is probably the best thing that could have happened to Dabo Sweeney because he put Cade Klubnik in, but he did not look like a superstar, but they still won the game. And now he can go back to DJ, and he doesn't have to deal with the all the drama. Can I ask you one question? And I'm going to expose our texts. But when Clemson was down by two scores, they brought Cade in, right? And then Cade led a touchdown drive, I think, that after they hit him out of bounds, right? It was at the same drive. And then you said, go back to DJ in the middle of the game. Can you take me through your thought process there? Cade didn't look that good. So DJ, DJ wasn't doing worse than what Cade looked like at the time. And then... Uh, now that the game is over and they won, what would you do? I would have put DJ back in and they no, no, still I'm saying won the game because moving forward. they won the game running the ball. Do you think that DJ is the quarterback of this team next week? Yes. I think Dabo Sweeney said that after the game. I'm saying if you were the head coach, you would want you that's what you would do. Kate didn't do anything that looked particular the, the the one throw on the two-point conversion other than that, nothing suggested he should usurp DJ Uyengale. Yeah. Uh, I think the reason why he was in the DJ's game is the reason. DJ's made some nice throws to, yeah. into the end zone this season, too. I think he was he was in the game for that re- for the reason why he should. 
Like I, I don't know that he needed to come he in was and in look the like game Steve DJ Young wasn't in his prime. Well. I mean, and Cade did not win them that game. Their offensive line and their their backs won them the game. And uh, their defense and won them the hit. game. Dino Babers forgetting that Sean Tucker was on the team won them the game. Dino Babers not calling timeout and the, the incredibly funny Sean McDonough moment where he's like, now you call timeout. Well, how did this change your view of Clemson? Because this is exactly what I've been saying about Clemson for oh, the last it, month. You were right. I, but, I was so wrong. But like, you do you right. think that they're still a national championship contender after that? No, but they're going to make the playoff because who's going to beat them? Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get ugly for them in the playoff, I think. I, I don't like. Yeah, you're, you're right. I was wrong about that. You're right, because this is the best team they've played so far. And they had a lot of problems with them. And the teams they would see in the playoff are a lot better than Syracuse. And here's the case for Cade. Are you ready? Clemson knows who DJ is at this point. He's mm-hmm. a very big athletic guy who does wow moments. Cade's but not it, Trevor. This is not, this, this is not Trevor and Kelly Bryant. It's not the same thing. No, I'm, I'm not even going to make that comparison. No one's Trevor. But if they have a schedule that's manageable. Mm-hmm. I believe that Clemson, and, and tell me if you agree with this, that Clemson would win every single game with Kate Klubnick starting. If DJ with just either one with either one starting, they can right, win every game. Right. So if you agree that they could with Cade, who was the top fifty prospect in his class, um, as was DJ. You, yes, but one is a completed product now, and one is still developing. Would you go with the completed product knowing what that person is? Or would you think about going with the young person who wasn't spectacular in the game that he came into? I'd, I'd but will win the rest of the year. And if the young person looked better at any point, I'd go with the young person. But, but do nothing, you, the, the point is, do you think the young person better. will look better the at the end of better. December? I don't, I don't know. Because that's the developmental process. You give them five games. So when they do make the playoff. I don't think it matters. You might have somebody more special. It, it doesn't matter which one of them plays. They're going to play Georgia. It doesn't matter. I just, I just want to know if you think that it's possible that Clemson would be a better version of itself in January. No, I, I think you're going to get similar got results. If, if, if he was that much better, he would have come in and lit the world on fire today. He didn't. I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's. I mean, did you see C.J. Stroud's first start? That wasn't it wasn't what he is. Wasn't now. very good. And then six games later, he was awesome. Like, I mean, like that's their freshman. But you could tell, like with Trevor and Kelly Bryant, you could tell every time Trevor went in the game. I know, but you can't compare. He was much more in Trevor command. Was like he was, the greatest he was a better of all time. And like unmistakably right. who but he is. But unless you have that, then you don't yank your guy unless who has your been guy doing well. Has had constant spurts of mediocrity over three or four quarters for his entire career that you don't want to deal with anymore. And you hope that the person behind him will grow into somebody that will not be doing that by the but time he plays what, what if, a, a big time game. What in if January? the locker room wants DJ? Yeah. I mean, those are all very, like, um, like with the, with the Trevor situation, the locker room was cool with Trevor starting because they wanted to win. Yeah. And I'm not in the locker room, so I don't know. And if Cade Klubnik is nowhere near as good and the locker room would fall apart as a result of it, that's a, that's a call that the coach would have I, to make. But so if Hunt, the, Hunter if, says Cade wasn't given a, a, a ton of opportunities, say only three, four times. There were called passes that he didn't wind up throwing. But I would I would push back on the idea that like he put him in the game when they were losing by two scores. So like I mean he had to have done that for a reason. And if the reason is DJ was playing terribly, that's the reason. 
but I don't know. I don't see. I look around college football speaking, all the time. He was. There's I don't no see question. a lot of national championship uh, team or teams competing for the national championship yanking their quarterback when they're having a bad game very often. No. So if you put that kid in, then your locker room has to support the idea that he's good enough to go in with the season on the line too, right? I would think so, but I'm telling you right now, he's going to start DJ. Yeah, probably will. And unless Based you on see what a game said, like I mean, this again. The first thing he said when he came off the starter. field was DJ's our guy. I mean, yeah. I'm just asking you if you are. If In you this had situation, enough I keep this. starting DJ. Because I've had enough. I've had enough before the game. Okay. Of that. Okay, Dabo. Well, you, you, you know, Dabo's got a similar contract to Jimbo. I don't think he's going anywhere. So I don't think you're going to get to take over between now and then. So I would like to. Uh, <laughs> I'm aware. No, Dabo's a genius. I mean, he'll he'll do what's best for his team, but this is a podcast. We're talking about it. And I think that DJ is the complete product of who he's going to be. And that person is flashes of brilliance with, with potential major droughts and big moments that will eventually cost them a game. It's interesting that you say that because I, I want to talk about another game that, that happened on Saturday with someone who as Recently, as week one of this season, we thought this is the person this quarterback is and is never going to be anything different. Do you know who I'm talking about? No. Bo Nix. Oh. I read a story from somebody. I can't remember, but they said he put himself in the Heisman discussion today. Okay, let's that's not a little, go crazy. That's a little dramatic, right? <laughs> he did okay. throw five touchdown passes. He had a great game against, against he had, UCLA. He had Oregon five touchdown passes UCLA. and six incompletions. Yeah, no, Bonix was awesome. Let's not go crazy with the Heisman talk, but oh, I thought I that's happy. a good. I thought that you were you were gonna. That was the one name that jumped into my head. If you look at what Catherine wrote in the comments here, who we thought he was was Jaden Daniels. Oh, Jaden Daniels, that's that another good, good one, one, Catherine. I, I appreciate that, Catherine. By the way, Catherine's coming on the show this week. We're gonna have to figure out a time. She's she's like the reason why you have jobs. Catherine's so she, the yeah. ultimate the athletic commenter. Yeah. Like the smartest, coolest commenter we have. So I wish every commenter was like her. I want I want her to be on the show. So we're we're gonna Catherine, we're gonna get get it figured out. We got your number. I'll I'll get with you this week and we'll find a time that we can make this happen. Because no, I the Bodex Jane Daniels thing is I, I think both those guys Because it was have exactly the segue that you made, like Jen, Jaden Daniels fit that to a T. Well, the only uh, the, the only thing that that, that would have changed is I said as recently as week one, Jaden would be as recently as like three weeks ago, two yeah. well two weeks ago the Tennessee game, like they couldn't get like, yeah, down in week is. one until there was two minutes left in the game. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, let's do Bo Nix first in Oregon because I'd like to contextualize them. Yes, I, I okay. One Dan Lanning Stones Stones. How about that onside kick? Steal yeah. possession. Make sure you you jump on them when you can. Mm-hmm. And in the the symmetry of it all, because Chip Kelly did the same thing to Stanford in two thousand was two thousand nine. That was his first year as the head coach at Oregon. Uh, they needed to win that game to to wind up winning the Pac ten, and that's exactly what he did. So what it, pretty pretty symbolic there. Even though I'm sure Dan Lanning was not thinking about that in the moment. Yeah, that is kind of funny. Um, so let me ask you this. Can Oregon make the playoff? That's a hard one because the they got beaten so badly by Georgia. So if there's any situation where it's them in Georgia at four and five, well, there's no there's no debate. 
it won't be Oregon. I feel like now, Oregon if, can't get in unless Georgia's number one. If Georgia's the one seed, I think there's a path. And there's just and I think there's a path for Georgia to be the one seed. It would be an interesting thing to look up because I don't know this off the top of my head, but what was the largest margin of defeat a team has had in the regular season who has made the playoff? We are gonna have to look that up because I'm, I'm I guarantee you it's not less it's less than twenty. Right. Is it Ohio State, Virginia Tech in 2014? But they only lost by 14, so I don't know. Alabama, Auburn in 2017. Yeah, it can't be more than 20, though. So losing 49 to 3 is quite the. Uh, well, remember, is, Nick Saban got on Scott Van Pelt in 2017 on championship weekend and was pointing out Ohio State's loss to Iowa and said basically, if we'd lost like that, you wouldn't even be talking to me. Yeah. 26 to 14 was the 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 score in the Iron Bowl that year. So Alabama lost by 12 in that game. Yeah. I it might not even be more than 14. So when you look at the idea of 70 to 14, 41 to 20, 44 41, 45 27, 49 22 and then 45 uh, 30 over the number 9 team in the country in the rankings. They look really, really good, and they, they kicked do. UCLA's ass. I think they they scored on six straight possessions in the first half. And, and, Is that right? And Ari, this this may be the matchup in the in the Pac-12 title game. Now, maybe it's Oregon USC. You know, we'll see how USC tracks. Well, you know what this is actually doing. It's just what given that that USC that quality win at the end of the year that gets there. Them you go. <laughs> well, and look, one loss USC after beating Oregon probably gets a little more grace than. Than Oregon because of the the way Oregon lost. Yeah, I would say that USC's loss is better, even though Georgia's infinitely better than Utah. But it is interesting because I am wondering if Oregon, because if you look at their their schedule, Cal, Colorado, Washington, then they've got a home game against Utah and at Oregon State. Oregon State's a lot better than they Here used to is. be, but like there's no Oh no two twenty four in the chat. Notre Dame oh. lost by 24 in the 2020 Yeah, but that ACC also kind of doesn't count because they beat the team that beat them. They had beaten that team. That's, that's so the, that's that the is difference. the caveat. But yeah, that's that's it right there. And I actually thought they shouldn't have gotten in that year, by the way. Right. You you were all over a in that year. Yeah, I, I was. Weren't you? What year was that? Was that COVID? That was 2020. A&M was the other option. Yeah, no, I was. I was. I know. I thought Ohio State should have got in that year. They did get in there. But the debate was between Ohio State and A&M for four. No, Notre Dame and A&M for four. It was? Yeah. Then how did I get into a big fight with all the A&M people? Because you, I don't know. Man, it's, it seems like forever <laughs> ago. Because I definitely thought that that A&M team should have gone over that Notre Dame team. I thought they were the same thing. They were like 6-1. I mean, the same thing would have happened, right? Yeah, exactly. I guess the same thing, I mean, the same thing would have happened because... Um, it just oh, already okay. happened to A&M Catherine earlier again. in the That's why she's the best. You made an argument in 2020 we should be paying attention to USC. Now, I, yeah. will, defend, I will defend Ari on At this one. At the time, yeah. USC was, was undefeated, and, and he was saying that I should stop dismissing them out of hand, which I was, because they should have lost to Arizona State, should have lost to Arizona that year, right? Uh, but they didn't, and so... You were right about that. I, I'll, I'll yeah, admit that. And that was the thing that made me so angry because everyone's like, oh, already thinks USC is going to win the national title. That was never my point. My point no, was I you know. can't you, just you dismiss saying, teams in the middle of the year when they're undefeated. Just don't dismiss them. I, I the same understand. way we're not going to dismiss TCU later in this call when they're undefeated. 
Nobody thinks they're going to win the national title yeah. this year, but they just came back from another three touchdown deficit well, at home against a really good team to go seven and zero. Are the, we going to dismiss the them? Team of destiny, TCU. I think that was their third win against a ranked opponent. I, I believe in their second their, straight win. Wasn't it their fourth? Um, it might have been their fourth. Yeah. Uh, and second straight win at home against a really good team when they're down by eighteen. I think. So you know. Do we think TCU is going to win a national championship? Absolutely not, but they deserve a seat at the table in October twenty oh, second. If, if they keep winning, the discussion, they are gonna, they're going to make the playoff, and they and should. I think, and I think a twelve and one Big Twelve champ has a very good chance of making the playoff this year. I, and I think I, I think this is the first time all year that a team has sat atop the Big Twelve standings alone, too. Right? Yes. So yep. as long as we like, we were talking about UCLA maybe making the playoff before what happened to Oregon. Um, they deserve our respect. As long as you're undefeated, I think you deserve the respect to be given a seat at the table as it pertains to the discussion that week. And even if you don't think that they're good enough to win the national championship that year, that's, that's irrelevant because that will take care of itself in that moment. They deserve to be talked about. Now here's, here's my thing. And I don't know if this says more about TCU or about the big 12 or maybe both. I'm looking at the remainder of their schedule. You've got West Virginia, Texas tech, Texas, Baylor, Iowa state. And Iowa State, I believe they they were off on Saturday. I believe they're 0-4 in the Big 12. But it's all these little narrow margins where the ball bounced differently. They could have won. West Virginia is the only game where I'm very comfortable with TCU. Like, TCU all of these other mean? ones, I'm scared for them. Yeah, and I mean, I think probably conventional wisdom would say, hey, they're probably going to lose eventually, right? Because that's what happens in this. But if they only the lose time, once, but, I'm I'm still pretty okay with them making the playoff. But like, look, if you look at their last five games, I'm going to start with non-conference too, because one of them was the first one was at SMU. Yeah. And if anybody is paying any close attention, that was a huge game for them, an emotion that required Obviously, a lot of emotion coming from SMU Sunny coming and yeah. going, yeah, and all the players that you know he used to coach and all that stuff, and and going back on the road. 40 minutes away to a team that wanted to beat him back. I mean, it took a lot to win that game for them emotionally. Then you go and you beat Oklahoma 55-24, which was a lot easier than they probably thought it would have been. Then you beat Kansas on the road. Then you come back from multiple touchdown deficits in back-to-back weeks at home against Oklahoma State and Kansas State. And like that, to me, is a five-game stretch. It's probably as tough as any other five-game stretch you might a counter in other conferences. So if you find a way to continually win every week through that, then there's something about that resume in and of itself, even if it's not sexy and it doesn't have the margin of victories or the eye test, right? I think warrants our, our attention, at least some, and their offense is really fun to watch. And when they turn it on, they, they pummel people. (laughs) And, And it feels like it just starts rolling and it's like, Oh God, what do we like the other team? Now, look, Kansas State obviously was on a third quarterback by the end of the night. That's going to change things because Kansas State was, it felt like they were pretty much in control. When I say it, 28 10. And Will Howard was already in. He'd already replaced Adrian Martinez at that point. But I, I tell you what, Max Duggan does not seem to get phased by anything. Yeah. And I mean, resiliency is, is, a really important trait to have as a team, especially because we know how hard it is to go undefeated in a given year. Also, and is I'll Clinton talk- Johnson the best receiver who doesn't play for Ohio State? 
Um, maybe. He's up there. He, he, he's very he's good. Yeah, way up there. I mean, well, the the Tennessee guys, uh, I'm sure have a have a little bit to say about that too. But this is this has been an incredibly fun team to watch, and Sonny Dykes is making a lot of these coaches look bad because here he's taken player and you know Gary Patterson had lost his fastball in some aspects and that's why he got fired one thing I don't think Gary Patterson ever got bad at though was evaluation like he always had talented players on his roster yeah and Sonny Dyke said it in the post game last week when I was there like how do you guys get to this point? He said, we, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have good players, which I think was an homage to the, to the previous Gary. regime. Yeah. But the thing that I think is interesting, Andy, as I'm looking at their schedule here, is that I just got done going on a uh, nice little you know, positive rant about how tough their last five games were, and I was just going to say, you know what? Going to Morgantown next week, is it comes at the perfect time because they need a little bit of a reset. And hopefully they can get something. And then like that's the type of game that teams in the Big Twelve have lost in the past. So like it's, it's like it's the, the type second of game you start that Baylor lost on a Thursday last week. And like the thing that I thought is the thing that they have to battle from, which was okay, finally they can take a breather and they actually can get a win that's not going to cause them to push themselves to the brink of every single you know fiber of their beings. Um, and then all of a sudden, if you do that, then you lose. So, um, but this is a nice time in their schedule if they can get that win and you know kind of get healthy a little bit and stop being so emotionally drained where they could get ready for their texas tech game and then of course they're going to they're going to texas where a familiar face might be roaming the sidelines that day yes indeedy we'll be right back after these words let's talk about happening stillwater because ari i'll reveal some of our texts again since you did earlier uh I was walking my dog earlier in the day, and I get a text from you. Here's who's out for Oregon State today, and it was a, a Oklahoma quite State, a list, sorry. Of, yeah, quite quite a list of people, and it was it looked bad. But one person whose name was not on the list was Spencer Sanders, and I thought that's good because one of the reasons that the line had been a little unusual. It was actually Texas by six and a half was the thought that Spencer Sanders might be out for this game that he might be hurt. But I mean, they Brock Martin was out. Brendan Evers had, had decided to stop playing this year and get his shoulder fixed so he could try to play in the NFL. I mean, a lot was going on with Oklahoma state and then they kept losing more players during the game. And yet they still came back and beat Texas. It was, it was an incredible performance by the Cowboys. It's the exact opposite of what we thought last week about, oh, they finally won the game that they would have lost. You know, and they and you said that they usually won win the game because they beat pretty good teams like this. So like this is just like I'm talking about they when you when you say they, say you they mean Texas, 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 like, Texas had pulled they, it out against Iowa State. State game they is they would have lost. Usually yeah. get up for this, but they won the game that they should have won and then lost this one, which was an important win. I mean, I heard them the commentators talking about two lost teams in the playoff in the first quarter. I was like, geez, God, what are we, you know, what are we doing here? And then, you know, Texas looked really good in the first half and it looked like they were about to, you know, run away with it. And I thought, you know, that that, that was going to happen because of all the names that were missing in this game. And, you know, Bijan was running it really well. And mm-hmm. Quinn, I know like I was texting with Sam Khan, who was at the game. 
He said it was really windy there, which might have been uh, the reason why Quinn was overthrowing a lot of passes. But, like, it's just this year is three losses now. One on the road to Oklahoma State, one against Texas Tech, and then, of course, the close loss to Alabama. And it's just kind of like feels – it feels different. And the thing that we said to each other yesterday before the game was anybody who says that Texas isn't in the right track is just wrong, right? Like that was a fact. But it kind of feels very similar to where we usually are with Texas in, in October. And that is mm-hmm. this is a very talented team with three losses. So and, and, and you look at the offensive line and you look at them starting two true freshmen there and you say, okay, they're going to get better there. Quinn Ewers, you see really bright spots and you see days like today where you see how far he has to go because he missed on a lot of throws. But you see a path forward. Now, they go to Manhattan in a couple of weeks. It, it'll be interesting to see who's back for K-State, like how healthy are they going to be Yeah, when, when they get Texas? Because if they're banged up, I, maybe Texas goes in there and wins that game. But if K-State's healthy, I, that's not a gimme for Texas. And then they got to play TCU after that. And it's like funny, too, because we just got into a spirited debate about A&M always being what A&M is. And it's just like we're back at the same place with Steve Texas. Steve Sarkeesian too. is now 10-10 and 10 at Texas. 10 and 10. So, like, what am I supposed to say about that? You know, I mean, it's, and I'm always Mr. Texas is back, Longhorns up guy. I mean, it's just like, this is, it's just like, I feel like you've turned on that though. I I was actually a little more in on Texas this year than you were, I think. Yeah. But, and and I, and then when I finally saw the light at the end of the tunnel, I could have gone all in, right? mm Because they played Alabama close and Quinn looked good in the drive or two that he was in in that game. And then, they beat the crap out of Oklahoma. It would have been very easy to come back in, but you know why I didn't? That tech loss. I just couldn't yeah. get out of my head. I just and it was it was very quintessentially Texas of the past decade. Like it, it it's what we're used to seeing. And like it's like so, we can go through their schedule. It's like oh maybe they'll be able to beat Kansas State. Maybe they'll be the team that knocks off TCU. And it's like maybe they will be, and it won't matter. It's like I'm waiting yeah. for a, for their wins in November to matter. And it's like when is that going to happen? And at a certain point went because like everybody at in what a few hours up the road is out on that coach. How much longer before we start hearing the Sarkeesian stuff? Well, here's the thing. Okay, they, they've got Kansas State, TCU, Kansas, and Baylor. If That's they a tough split, ending, if they split those, they're sitting there at seven and five. I think you are going to you are going to hear the the calls at that point. That, that they want something different. And Arch Manning at that point probably is what saves Sark. Because he doesn't have guaranteed $100 million or, or whatever. You know, He doesn't have the, the Jimbo Fisher, Mel Tucker, James Franklin, Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley deal. Yeah. I the mean, Mario Cristobal deal, by the way. He lost to Duke. Pretty incredible how recruiting classes can help change your thought process. You know, mm-hmm. and you know they can't fire Sark at all this year. And I don't know. I don't even know if if Arch Manning didn't exist, if that would be on the table or not. But it's just we are in this weird Groundhog Day loop of Texas football, and they have been. And I thought they were a very good team this year. I, st- I still think they're a very good team, 
they are still doing everything that we have been making fun of them for for the past decade. And I don't know when that has to stop and when it has to shift. And it's the same, it's kind of the same conversation with AM. When does all the potential and all the players and all the thoughts of what they could be have to actually shift into results? And I know that uh, Jimbo is way further down the line in his tenure at AM than than Sark is, and that's important to, to note. But I am finding myself not even being a, a Texas person, mm-hmm. growing frustrated at the bullshit. To be honest, like I just like, and it's meanwhile like, what's you've going got on Mike here? Gundy getting guys that these schools wouldn't even sniff in recruiting. Yeah, and often and turning them into into guys that win games. And Oklahoma State was an overtime loss away from being undefeated right now. Yeah, you know, I, and they lost, but like Oklahoma State has been painfully consistent. Now, I, I know I've argued back and forth with people about the Tennessee job and how it's it's not easy and, and like Josh Heupel is pretty special with what he's doing now. Had they gotten Gundy at any of those points, I think Gundy would have won pretty big there too. Yeah, uh, I was I had a whole column. I had a bunch of research done. I was going to write about Gundy uh, at the TCU game last week about how he's underappreciated and the consistency and and – I was going to, you know, they were going to be six and oh, if they won that TCU game going into that Texas game. And I was going to be like, Hey man, here they are again, front runner to win the big 12. And, you know, obviously they didn't end up getting the, the TCU game done and they blew a pretty big lead and lost in overtime. But of course they turn around and beat Texas, of course. And I was doubting it before the game started because I thought everybody on earth would be taking the points on this one. They had all these players out. Spencer Sanders was banged up. And then Texas's offense just went into a hole for the entire second half. Craig Smith in the live chat. Both Texas teams are the equivalent of the buddy who's 34, still trying to party like he's 19, and everyone wonders when he's going to grow up. It's true. It's because you see the you see the the potential there for Texas and for Texas AM. You see the potential where they could be great. And with Texas, we've actually seen it come to fruition this century. Like the the Mac Brown era, the mid Mac Brown era, they were dominant, but now it just feels like they, they one step forward, two steps back every single time. And that thirty four year old that goes to the party is like really attractive and has a good job. So all the pieces right. are there. It's just a mess to be, a, to be like yeah. a a really uh, awesome member of society. And he's like, why are you at this college party right now? You've got a job that pays you six figures. You're very handsome. And you're over here in this party right now when you should be up there somewhere. And it's like, right. That's it. It makes no sense. And you're going to crash your car on the way home and your insurance is going to get revoked. And like, you're just a mess. Yes. Right. That's in your apartment or house is messy. Right. You don't make your bed every day. You don't make your bed every day. Admiral McRaven would be very disappointed. <laughs> yes. I don't make my bed every day, just days where yeah, I know. your wife does. No. Well, yeah, it's made one way or the other, but uh, we uh, actually added two or three new throw pillows to the bed. You'd be happy to hear. <laughs> you're, up, you're up to 13 now. We're up to That's like 27 good. throw pillows. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it's like, is it weird that I don't care if Texas wins or loses ever, but I'm frustrated by it? Yeah, you know what really it's not, it's not weird. It's it's you see the resources, you see, and I don't mean just just money, I mean where they are. Yeah. It just the talent around 
it doesn't make sense. It's the same thing with Texas A&M. It doesn't make sense why it's never happened for them. Like with Texas A&M. That's the thing that irritates me because like I am and everybody knows and I've kind of cooled a little bit on the show. We don't talk about the composite as much as we did in my early days. But I am very passionate about what it means to have really good players on your team. And it irks me to my core when teams have really, really good players and they suck. Because it's like uh, you did the you did the hard part already. Like you you got mm-hmm. through the hardest part of this process. And it's like, what are we doing? Like it's like I, we're I, would, the 80%. I would argue that that both parts are hard, and that's why yeah. what Nick Saban does, what Dabo Sweeney's done, what it's Kirby like two Smart jobs, doing, dude. It's it, yeah. Well, that's what makes what they do so impressive because yeah. they've been able to master both, and not many people can do that. Yeah, you know and. It's right. That's a really that's really well said because you could be good at one job, but you could be bad at the other. And if you're good at one job and bad at the other, then you're bad at the whole job. You know, and that's at, just, at the highest level, at the highest you level, can, you yeah. can get it done at a lower level being good at one of those things. But once you you will get exposed if you get up too high. Actually, Tell Catherine that I did talk about Harold Perkins on text today. Well, speaking of Harold Perkins, that what I just said brings me to. Another team. It brings me to LSU. It brings me to Brian Kelly. Yeah. Who has been very successful everywhere he's been. The knock on him is that he's not as maniacal a recruiter as Nick Saban. But look at what LSU's doing. LSU has two losses, but one of them is out of conference. They are very much in control of their destiny within the SEC. Would you be shocked, Ari, if on November 5th, Alabama goes to Baton Rouge and LSU and Alabama are locked in a very tight game in the fourth quarter. I think I would be, Andy. You would I don't be. Know. I, don't, I don't know if I'm not there. I don't know if I'm there yet. Um, I guess we got to talk about Ole Miss, too, because it's been a, a we factor. Do. We do. In, the, in the, our, the, what LSU did to Ole Miss, Ole Miss was very much a part of. So it's like Ole Miss's defense just trash. Trash is, is is too harsh of a term. You know how I am. It is. It are, is. Are they deficient? Championship <laughs> level? Probably not. No. Because it's like, is LSU's offense and Jaden Daniels very much improved from that Florida State game that we all watched? Like that seems like it was yesterday. Very um, much so. But it's only been two weeks since the Tennessee or the Tennessee game. game. We saw that too. Yeah. And it's just like they're going to go in two weeks and host Alabama, and then they're going to score thirty points in that game. Like, can you picture that? Because, you know what? Alabama might be deficient, too. Obviously, they've lost, and we've seen them play close games, so it wouldn't be crazy. But how much are you buying stock in the Jaden Daniels-led LSU offense right now? Because they kind of moved More it up, than the, I thought, up and down the field pretty easily sense? on Saturday. Because I just I was looking at it most of the week like, all of that good feeling was because he played Florida. Florida's defense wasn't very good, and he torched them. And it was more of Florida's defense not being good than Jaden Daniels evolving as quarterback. I watched today. Was it more of that today is what I mean now. There was more of that today. More of Jaden Daniels when earlier in the season he would have run from the pocket when he didn't need to. He seems to be throwing more confidently. Exactly. He looks different running the offense now. 
He looks like he is in control. And like he's and they've got really good receivers, so you gotta trust those guys. Right. And I think he does now. So I just yeah, I mean, when you have Keishon Boutte and Malik Neighbors, and I the uh Jason Taylor's son, Mason, Mason Taylor, the tight end, looked very good today. Was actually blocking very well too. I mean I'm not going to predict that they're going to beat Alabama. I, I think that's probably going out on too far. If they too beat much Alabama, they're going to the SEC title game. Yeah, they are. Yeah, you, you'd be right about that. But I'm not ready to predict that yet. I I'm think very I curious what the spread's it. going to be. I don't think it's going to be huge. It might be less than 10. Yeah, I was thinking like eight and a half, nine maybe. Um, and Alabama's got a buy too. So, Well, so does LSU. They that's are, what I'm saying. They this, both have that's a buy. So, set up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know that's uh, that's going to be a fun game, and I didn't know that we had any more fun game. I mean, I thought LSU was going to be a four loss team this year. Well, and, and Harold Perkins is another example of of LSU evolving as a team. I had a friend of mine text me and asked, "Well, you know, isn't this the same team we saw losing to Florida State?" I'm like, "No, it's not even close to the same team. Like that was a new coaching staff coaching these guys for the first time against Florida State." And oh, by the way, they still, if they hadn't gotten the extra point blocked, would have gone to overtime with them and might have won that game. It is funny when you look at LSU's resume right now. They lost a, a one-point game to Florida State in which their kicker missed an extra point after the most insane comeback we've seen this year. And yeah. their other one was just getting their ass kicked by Tennessee, who's like the number two team in the country. So like, right. like it's not a terrible resume. Now what what so, Tennessee's defense did to them – is the part that gives me pause. It's concerning. And it, the, it's hard to read whether or not they did what they did the last two weeks because of the teams they were playing or because of their own improvement. Yeah. That's that's the part I, I, I'm just not sure yet. And I'm really excited for that LSU-Alabama game. But the thing that, I, I, that Brian Kelly has always done, he did it at Notre Dame, and he's it seems like he's kind of doing it again now. He always seemed to win the games as teams should. Yes. Yes, which we're learning is is not the easiest thing to do in the world watching his successor at Notre Dame. So with LSU, that is and, – and what's interesting about that is you compare and contrast that with Jimbo Fisher, whose team does not win the games that it should. Yeah. And in fact, Texas A&M has a rich and storied history of not winning the games that I mean, it all should. you have to do, like Jim Harbaugh – Long before really, Jimbo Fisher got there. Jim Harbaugh was always very good at winning the games that he should. Yes, and then, and then, if you once, win the games that you should, you're ten with ten win team every year. And what would Texas A and M or Texas do to be a ten win team every year? Sacrifice lots of live goats, probably. <laughs> drink Joe Boo's rum. Exactly. <laughs> Definitely drink Joe Boo's rum. <laughs> Are you saying Jesus Christ can't get can't a curveball? Ari? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Oh man, what a movie! All right, we got two get right games to talk about. Are you want to go to Tuscaloosa or State College first? Uh, I think the Alabama game is just like the the Alabama just goes on with their business game and people yeah. forget about them for the next three weeks as they lost and people like lose track of them. And the next thing you know, we're a week removed from the SEC championship game and they're going. Three out of the last four times that Alabama has lost, Mississippi State has been the next. I know. I feel bad. Docket. That's so brutal. And and the air raid is is probably the worst possible style to play against Alabama. Like, it works against everybody else, but it doesn't work against Alabama. I think you can wonder, like, could you be a coach 
in the SEC who is successful enough if the thing that you do is unable to beat Alabama ever? At Mississippi State, maybe. That's the only place, really, in the maybe Vanderbilt. If somebody, as long as somebody else can beat Alabama, Kentucky, I think. Don't we? We say Mark Stoops has the best job in America. I don't think Mark Stoops has to beat Alabama. Now he's going to have to play him more often soon. Just like the the reality of just like no matter how good we get, no matter who we sign or what we do, we won't beat Bama. It's just like a tough pill to swallow. It is tough, and and like. That gets you fired at Auburn. You you can't be that, yeah. and that's that's what they're dealing with right now. So, I yeah, it's it's strange because that style probably makes them a tough out for everybody else. And we've seen them beat LSU, and we've seen them beat Arkansas, and we've seen them beat these other teams, and we've seen them beat Texas. We saw them clobber Texas A and M this year. But you're you're usually going to lose one you shouldn't, and you're not going to beat Alabama. Now, I'll be curious because obviously Georgia runs a very similar defense to Alabama and has a similar talent level to Alabama. Georgia has to go to Starkville later this season. Will it be the same thing? Probably. That would be my guess. That would be my guess. Yeah. But if you can't beat Alabama, you can't beat Georgia. It's like one of the same now. Well, at least if you're trying to run your offense against their defense because the principles of the defenses are very similar. Exactly. So, and I wonder why yeah. that's the case. <laughs> yeah, can't imagine. <laughs> but so the Alabama looked fine, back on track. We this is exactly what we thought would happen. Doesn't necessarily mean anything because they they've got a week off, then they play LSU, and we just talked about how that might be a game, and I think that could be a very yeah. fun game. It's like now Alabama just kind of when you add this weekend and then you add the bye weekend when they're not even playing, like they just drift off to the sunset. For I love that Alabama LSU and Baton Rouge is going to be a massive game. And, yeah. and it's probably going to be a night game because Tennessee George is probably the bigger game in the league that day. So that one goes at three 30, which the LSU people get the night game. They crave. Oh, man. Well, I mean, like, the sport's just better when this game's big. I remember the the Joe Burrow year. Oh, yeah. That game. I was at that uh, game. Look at you. Did you get any I was fried, at a lot of those games. Did you get any uh, fried catfish when you were down there? Or? Well, no. That game was in Tuscaloosa. Oh, it was. Never mind. Yes. I, I watched Joe Burrow lead an offense to, to zero points against Alabama in, uh, in Baton Rouge. Oh. Yeah, that, oh, that yeah, wasn't good. Previous year. But I ate well that weekend. Yeah, I went to a place called the Chimes. Is that like a thing there? The Chimes, Chimes is great. Yeah, it's right off cam- right right near campus. Yeah. It's yeah, it's perfect. You get the boat. It's called the boat. Yeah, I like Elsie's uh, pie and plate. Oh, yeah, Ruf- we can't go toe to toe with awesome places to eat in Baton Rouge. I'll lose. So yeah, it, yeah, Rufino's. If you you want to go fancy now, uh, Ruffin Rodriguez, rest in peace. We've lost him since since the last time I got to eat there, but. Yeah, there's some great places in Baton Rouge, and that place is going to be really awesome on November 5th. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super excited to see that. Find a way to sneak over there. Maybe Brody Miller and Aaron Suttles need some company in that game. Yeah, I'll just can I just come and just chill? Like I don't even have to write anything. Oh yeah, we'll 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 just set you up with some tailgaters, and you can just hang outside. Yeah, I mean, I'll just you're don't waste your time going to the stadium. Just hang with them and party. Yeah, if I'm allowed, if you're going, if the, if I can expense a trip, I'll drive. 
we'll see, we'll see what we can do. I, yeah. I'm not sure our bosses are going to go. <laughs> I think eventually going to figure out what we're up to. How, uh, yeah. How many times can I just expense going out just to hang out with you? Like, do you think Wait, like before that's a, Andy and Ari scheduled another boondoggle. <laughs> yeah. I don't think we can get that, get away with that, but that game is going to be awesome. All right, let's move to state college. Penn state embarrassed by Michigan last week. Looked much better against Minnesota. The whiteout looked awesome. It was very intense. It was a great atmosphere. But does it mean anything? It's funny because somebody asked me, I, I mentioned something about Jimbo Fisher and the buyout, and somebody goes, now do Franklin. And I want to be like, yeah, but he's six and one. So that's different. But then I'm like, but he's not going to win any championships. Six and one. So maybe it's not that different. Six and one is very uh, misleading, I think. I think you're right. He is six and one. Uh, but the only thing that the t- that program is judged upon was a flat out embarrassment. So that that's kind of a tough pill to swallow. And they have to play Ohio State next weekend. So mm-hmm. you know, I guess what do I have to say about Penn State? But what Good do you, what we'll do you, you always say? Yeah. What do you always say about Penn State, Ohio State? Penn State always plays them tough. Yeah. And there's always this spread that doesn't make any sense, and everybody wants to hammer Ohio State, and then Ohio State turns the ball over three times in the first half, and you know Penn State makes plays, and the next thing you know, Ohio State wins, but they don't cover. That's like the same thing every year. I, I just it stinks that the television stuff kind of worked out the way it did because I feel like they they wasted their whiteout. Yeah, but I don't know. They they got a nice win in the whiteout. I, they did, I'm not but, sure. I'm not sure how well they're going to play against Ohio State, but which which. Leads me to that because we we did have to discuss this. Somebody sent me a tweet. This is when Iowa got the defensive touchdown. When 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 Iowa took the seven three lead in the first quarter, said somebody carve up the Heisman eleven ways and give it to yeah. the Iowa defense. I said I'm I said I'm I'm down for that unless Ohio State scores 50 points. Ohio then- State scored 51 more points. <laughs> now Ohio State's defense did score 7 of those. So now, okay. So let me just I uh had to I helped out with the takeaways and I mm-hmm. had to write, you know, 300 words about that game. And here's what I wrote. Is it possible? And I don't even mean statistically. So take the stit. College football is a long encyclopedia of statistical analysis. Right. Is this the worst offense of all time? I've been thinking about that. Like literally of all time. Like there have been some statistically worse offenses. Yeah, but it's about the look of it. Right. But those statistically worse offenses typically belong to teams that have very little talent. Iowa, while it does not have five stars at every position, has significant talent. It, it has, has enough there talent are to run up the score against a group of five teams. Iowa's offense had a first round draft pick last year. It had enough talent to to score sixty on Nevada if it wanted to. Right, like Iowa's Wolfpack. two tight ends right now probably are going to play in the NFL. Yeah, yeah. Um, listen, they they had two weeks to prepare for this game. They receive the the coin toss, and on this first attempt of the game, and I think it was the second play, Petrus throws a pick to Tanner McAllister that hit him in the face. It looked like he was throwing right directly to him. I think they had six turnovers. 
Um, they didn't have a first down in the first quarter. Um, and you know what? Everyone's going to be like, oh, look at that elite Iowa defense that gave up 50 points to Ohio State. And it's like, dude, it's not even their fault. Like Ohio State uh, started in plus territory, I think, four times in the first half. And I think they held them to field goals four times. Like, if Iowa's offense was even remotely good, had a pulse at all, there's no way Ohio State would have scored 54 points. No. If you keep giving them the Iowa ball back, they're going to the score longer. Yeah, they keep scoring keep and back. scoring and scoring because I think that if you have the best defense in the country, what's a good, if, let's just say you're the best defense in the country and you're playing Ohio mm-hmm. State, what's a successful point output for them? 31, 34? Yeah, and if you hold probably your, a team to thirty-four, that. yeah, like if Ohio State plays Georgia in the national title game, that's a reasonable number of points to expect Iowa or right. Ohio State to score. So if they scored fifty-four, one of which was a pick-six, so that's really forty-seven. Mm-hmm. And their other, t- I think they had another touchdown where Iowa turned. I mean, they ca- they kept starting. Right, they had Iowa another one. They got the ball in the like the eleven-yard line or something. Yeah. They played really well. Yes, they, like. Ohio State was only winning by six points in the second quarter, I think. That's at, at one point. It was 16 to but 10. That, that's what makes me more frustrated with this team is that the defense is so good and it's it's their wasted. defense is legitimately really good. Now, Iowa actually tried other quarterbacks. I don't know if that's progress or not, but they actually tried something. Yeah, and then that quarterback came into the game. I think it was his first snap, fumbled the snap, and they turned it over. It's like no matter what, the fake punt or the punter just took it upon himself to try to get him a first down, that entire game was a disaster of an attempt. And I just, and I think we, I was joking with somebody about this over text and I, I tweeted it. But at some point in the second quarter, Iowa would have been in a closer game with Ohio State if they opted to take knees every single time they had the ball and punt rather than trying to run their offense. It, the game would have been closer because you would have taken away the turnovers that put Ohio State in, in the position to score right. more points. And, you know, that's their third defensive touchdown of the year. Um, Ohio State's offense did not start clicking till the second half. They held them to field goals four times. Like, I don't know what else you could possibly want. And Phil, well, I, I was buddy, joking with you over text that like Noah Ruggles was gonna was gonna yeah, pass you're like, out how many by the field goals? How many <laughs> field goals? They're gonna kick twelve field goals to cover the spread. But that's isn't that exactly what Iowa's defense is supposed to do? A good defense does that to them. That's what they do. But okay, what do you think Iowa's offense was on third down? How many of how many? Does when you? I've always wondered this from a statistical standpoint. If you get a first down on a penalty on a third down, does that count as a conversion? Yes. Okay, so they had two then, right? Oh, okay, and then that doesn't. They they were one of thirteen on third down. Okay, yeah, and, and it might have been a penalty. <laughs> it's so bad. It's horrible. it is legitimately the worst offense I've ever seen on a on a collective football field. Now UMass's offense actually averages less yards per play. Yeah. So, getting back to Texas A and M, there you go. You got the Minutemen later. Yeah, what are we going to do about Doctorman? I mean, are we going to give him a break on Monday? Or yes, are we, gonna... we are on. Okay. okay, so on Monday when Scott Doctorman comes on, we are going. We're not going to talk about Iowa's offense. We're not going to ask say anything Iowa. about it. Let's just—I don't know if he listens to our show when he's not on it, but let's try to go through the entire show without saying the word Iowa. 
I think we can do it. We can. So I we will come up with fun things that Scott can talk about that aren't Iowa's offense. I, you, Scott has an encyclopedic knowledge of craft beer. I don't particularly really know. Midwestern craft beer. Did his story post? I want to. I'm gonna like. I haven't seen it yet. I'm very curious. Like, what do you even write after that? You can't write. He's written it, what what needs to be said about it. I just I don't even know what he's gonna say. Yeah. Oh, our our producer Camelina. Getting back to our conversation about what's the biggest loss, uh, biggest margin of defeat for yep. a playoff team. It was a game I was at, and I forgot all about it. I mentioned that Alabama lost to Auburn in the Iron Bowl in 2017 by 12. Georgia lost to Auburn by 23 that year. But oh, the year they almost won the title. But like Notre Dame and Clemson in 2020, Georgia avenged that loss in the championship game. Yeah, there's always that extra caveat. So yeah. maybe I uh, know Georgia, Georgian. Uh, there's no second shot for for Oregon this year, but you know. You know you want to see that game again. You know, Andy, I don't really think I do. <laughs> <laughs> that one was just so, yeah, so lopsided. Know. It might it not is, be as bad as it was the first time, but I, I think I get the picture. Well, we will we will definitely have to come up. Oh, the headline on Scott's story. Iowa's offense hits new low, which, yeah. I mean, the unspoken subhead. I'm, I'm reading on the app, so we can't see the subheads. But I'm assuming the subhead would be would be something to the tune of, and you know what that means, because if it's a new low, like it, it's impossible to get much lower than what we've already I seen. From like I was listening to the commentators uh, in that game, and they were just talking about how great Ohio State's defense looked, and I was like, dude, oh, wait, they look this they're is- fine. Like, but like, what are you talking about, man? These guys aren't. It's like it was it's like I I legitimately feel bad for Listen, Iowa fans and I don't know if I ever really feel bad for for fans. Like it's like I feel it's awful. I feel bad for Iowa fans right now. I feel yeah. bad for Texas A&M fans. I feel bad for Michigan State fans. I don't like it when you're stuck. And like Iowa's stuck too for not the same reason. Although I I would say Kirk Ferentz's buyout is also prohibitive. So, but at least Kirk Ferentz at some point feels feels like a reasonable enough person to go, you know what? Maybe I'm not getting it done anymore. It's been a good run. Guys, go get Mark Stoops. There's like, a lot I, of teams, like all the teams really that have these contracts, when you look at it, are stuck. Is Miami stuck? Yep. Miami lost to Duke on Saturday, and it wasn't particularly close. They had Eight turnovers, I want to say. Mel Tucker and Michigan State, they're stuck. They're stuck with Penn State at Fra- with Franklin. They're stuck in Miami. They're stuck at Texas A&M. Who am I forgetting? Uh, well, they're they're stuck at LSU and they're stuck at USC, but they're happy It's kind right of now. going well, yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Can I read you Scott's... There's a paragraph. Please. Well, two paragraphs in the middle of Scott's story. They're just beautiful. And for those listening, I, I just want to preface this by saying... It is really hard to cover a bad team because you keep writing that the team is bad over and over again. You don't want to do it. The fans don't want to hear it. The team doesn't want want to see you writing it because that makes everybody mad. So, but it, it sometimes you just have to. You have to say what happened, and that's what Scott did. So there's a subhead in Scott's story that says, "Did anything work?" 
There was nothing redeeming for Iowa, which gave up its most points since a 56-35 defeated Ohio State in 1995. The defense played hard and kept the team in the game until the Buckeyes unleashed their full arsenal in the second half to bury the Hawkeyes. The offense looked ill-prepared in every facet after last week's bye. Punter Torrey Taylor ran with the ball on his own and was stopped short of a first down, handing the Buckeyes the ball at the Iowa 40. In a word, yuck. That pretty much says it all. I don't know if you look at the stats. Like there isn't, a, I don't even remember one good play from them. There was a throw to either Lachey or Laporta. Yeah, it was a tight end that was like 13 yards on the sideline. By side Padilla. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. That's the one play. <laughs> that's it. That's that's all I can remember. I watched the whole game. Yeah. So what's your take on Ohio State, though? Because you texted me. I'm not sure they're as great as people think they are. Did, well, did you change they your were, mind on they that? They were or? at first struggling to get in the end zone, but then they stopped struggling and started getting in the end zone with alarming regularity. And I, my, worry, <laughs> my worries are – my fears were assuaged, Ari. Here's I, what I, I say about Ohio State, and I was texting a reporter that I used to cover them with about it. They are an immensely talented team that I think has a very, and this goes over years and years. This isn't just this year. They have a very uh, regular habit of not playing up to their potential. And I don't know if you want to give that credit to the Iowa defense. I think they certainly deserve it. But it happened against Rutgers. It's happened multiple times this year where Ohio State, their body language is lacking. They seem like they're sleepwalking. And it seems to happen with more regularity than you would hope. Now, when Ohio State plays in the playoff, that doesn't happen because everybody's fired right. up. And, every, but and, and I will take Ohio State in the second half of, of that Iowa game against anybody in the country. Right. I I'll just take, don't know I'll take what them it is and I'll probably pick them to win. About that team where it's not like when Alabama's humming, where every single week they are just mercil- they're mercilessly beating the shit out right. of Right. Ohio head. State is more seems more subject to kind of the, the ebbs and flows of the season than Alabama. Every year, every year. And I don't, I'll be watching games and I'll be like, this team is so much better than what they're doing. And I think that makes you a susceptible team down the line. So I think Ohio state at peak Ohio state could win the national title this year. I question whether or not they can reach their peak potential because every week it's an adventure about whether they're going to show up or not. Also, Michigan's pretty good. Like, this could yeah. be a really fun Michigan-Ohio State game. And, and last year, I get it was a super cathartic for Michigan fans. But for those of us who didn't have a rooting interest, that wasn't a very interesting game other than Michigan, you know, winning by a lot, which we're not used to seeing. But I want that. I want to see that be a competitive game. And I think I think we're going to get that this year. And I'm yeah, very excited about that. Yeah, it should be. I'm going to sit there and eat some Thanksgiving leftovers at noon. Yep. I'll probably be at that game. Lucky. Maybe. I don't know. The Thanksgiving leftovers sound pretty good too. So Yeah. We'll 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 have to figure out the travel schedule later. But yeah, let's focus <laughs> right on now Baton you Rouge and I first. have to figure out how to get in Baton Rouge to yeah. tailgate for the Alabama game. We don't even need to go in the stadium. We really don't. I don't want to go in the stadium. Well, I do want to go in the stadium. I want to see it. I'll Maybe buy a I'll ticket send you in the stadium. I'll buy a ticket. I will I'll enjoy the atmosphere for a few drives and then I'll come back out and start drinking with you again. I, I'm I'm with that. And and then we just do the podcast completely hammered. Yes, in the parking lot with our in the parking off. lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with like one shoe on. Yeah. 
right? uh, B- between the two of us. Yes. Uh, all right. We can do that. That sounds spectacular. Ari. Oh, one more thing. One more game. Do I have not mentioned something? yet. Well, remember, I got on this rant and Nicole agreed with me and you didn't. And this is why you're smarter than me. I said, why is Purdue an underdog at Wisconsin? What, what have we seen from Wisconsin that says they're going to win this game? Wisconsin was up 21 nothing after like six minutes, sorry. Yeah. And just cruised to victory. So Jim Leonard's just the coach now, right? I think so. I And, and <laughs> this is what we said the day he got fired. We did that emergency pod and we were like, they are giving Jim Leonard enough runway to make sure he gets the job. You know what I don't understand? And I think this is a good podcast topic. And maybe we can talk about it uh, in the week and not when we're an hour and a half into ours right now. But the coach changed, right, in the middle right. of the year. But it's still fundamentally the same team. Same schemes. Same schemes, same players, mm-hmm. same season. Mm-hmm. So when you say the coach has enough runway, and I agree with you, they fired uh, Chris at a time yeah. so that they could get that. But what what? is changing in that building attitude. It's just the That's entire it. attitude shifts because their head coach is gone. And then all of a sudden it's, they're it's awesome the same again. reason Georgia tech didn't win a single, never won consecutive it's games under Jeff Collins and Brent key takes over and wins the first two games. Now they didn't you, beat Virginia, but they did win two games in a row, which is something they never did under Jeff Collins. Like sometimes a new voice is what you yeah, need to hear. It is. But I feel like when that happens, it's a, affirmation that the firing was warranted oh this is a great idea oh no two two four in the in the chat y'all do a drunk podcast and make people pay for it and don't record it whatever is said stays with the group who paid for it yeah we, if we, we could that. trust all of you to not put it on the internet no, it's, what, it's what you do <laughs> I, I might be all for that i went this is this can be done because i went to a bill burr stand-up comedy show three weeks ago in American Airlines Arena with my wife mm-hmm. and one of some of our friends, and they take your phone away. <laughs> they put it this in a bag. An and NBA, they, so this, this is an, an NBA, NBA arena. arena. Yeah, and nobody and everybody who walked in had to put their cell phone in a so bag. All we've got to do is fill an NBA arena <laughs> and take everyone's. But cell I'm phone. saying, like, if he Let's can figure out how to take everyone's phone in an NBA arena, we could charge people thirty people one hundred and fifty bucks to come into a small room. Drop their open. phones for and really get to know bucks, us. We'd have to have an open bar. Open bar, yeah, for sure. Okay, it was a drunk podcast. He said, "It well, we definitely want the crowd to be drunk, but I'm talking about yeah. us too. We we'll all be drunk. You come in, we got hammered together. Then you and I will go up to the stage and we'll have a podcast. Yeah, we will slur our, our words. And yes, <laughs> we will try to pronounce DJ Uyunglele's name in various yep. states of inebriation. Yes. All right, let's do it. <laughs> well." I, I all, smell a revenue stream. Yeah, Let's see if Roback hey, will sponsor that. Yeah, I, I think that they would. Or Budweiser. We do need a beer. We do need a beer. I think hey. a beer is a very uh, smart advertisement given the, the audience. Anheuser-Busch, Miller Coors, all of you big beer companies. I'll even do a seltzer if you want. Or even you little beer companies. You know there's a, a beer company called called Athletic. It is? Yeah, but it's a non-alcoholic beer. Oh, well, that's not happening then. <laughs> well, I, listen, 
I'm just I'm going to call the people at Anheuser Busch, just like cold call and be like, listen, I work with the biggest Bud Light Lime fan in America, and we would Blime. be honored. They're blind to be sponsored by Bud yeah. Light Lime. If we were sponsored by Bud Light Lime, when I was in, when I was a bachelor, I had like a, a Bud Light Lime clock in my house, mm-hmm. and Bud Light Lime bottle openers, Bud Light go. Lime uh, inflatable sofa. Would you accept Natterdays if that's all that, that Anheuser Busch could? I'll accept us. anybody who believes in us. Have you had Natterdays? I have. It's amazing. It's not I as love good as Bud Light Lime. And they do the they do the red, white, and blueberry around Fourth of July. The thing it's, about Bud Light Lime is that every time you take a sip out of it, it feels like you're at the beach or a pool, and you can drink twenty of them in a day and have a strong buzz to carry throughout the day and not get sick. Well, like I said, I will take. Any beer that wants to sponsor us, whether you are a macro brew, a micro brew, if the price is right, I will happily drink it and happily promote it. So I did chug a fat tire on the show before once. You did. No, no, it was Guinness. You had to drink Guinness. Guinness. It it didn't go well for you. I don't like them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all for this. We're going to have we're going to have a beer. Uh, (laughs) BT Bates, if the ringer can get Blue Moon. I believe you can get PBR or Keystone Stones. I think Keystone Light is what we're going for there. But I I agree. I agree. So listen, bring your tire, your poor, your tired, your 5.9% alcohol by volume and set them at our doorstep and we will flog your product mercilessly. As like, look, I'm wearing my Roback polo right now. The little dog that could makes you elite, as I said in the ad. You're an athlete. I was wearing a rowback hoodie when I caught a, a touch. A, well, not a touchdown pass. When I caught a pass in, a, in an SEC game, I had never caught a pass in an SEC game before that. That's right. I can only assume it was rowback. That's so, right. All right, we will enough enough shameless begging for plugs or begging for people to pay us to plug them. Ari, this week was amazing. I know we say that every week. But you know why? Because it is true every week. Because they are amazing because we only get so many of these a year. And every one of them is beautiful in its own way. And whether you're an A&M fan frustrated because you're doing the math on $85,950,000 or a Texas fan thinking about 10 and 10 or you're an Oregon fan loving life right now. You're an Auburn fan going, well, how come Bo, Bo Nix can do that for them? doesn't matter. <laughs> We all get to watch college football every Saturday, and that makes us the luckiest people in the world. We'll talk to you later.